What's up, Joe? What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Sports 360. I'm Jeff Fennell, and I'm here with Rob Duran of Rob Duran Sports. Rob, what's up? Hey, what's going on, man? Well, um, uh, there's a lot going on. We're going to touch on a couple of things today. Um, but obviously, you know, we have to talk a little bit of football. Uh, we had two uh, games this past weekend, championship games, and um, we both picked the games. And let's just say um, I have gotten my um, uh, prediction credentials revoked. Um, <laughs> I can no longer <laughs> I can no longer pick <laughs> football games pending, uh, you know, review of my of my status. Uh, I think right now all I can do is make predictions on the local bocce ball games and pickleball games. That's it. So, hey man, I tried to tell you, I tried. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know. And we're going to get to that in a minute. So give you a chance to, you know, beat your chest a little bit and talk about, you know, Joe Cool and um, what's your other man's name is Matthew Stafford, who, you know, you told him not to make turnovers and all the rest of that. And so we'll get to that. Um, But also, Rob, we got to talk about what is a breaking and, and continuing developing story and that's the Brian Flores lawsuit against the NFL and a couple of NFL teams. So we'll talk about those two things today, but okay. All right. Let's get to the, uh, to the NFL championship games. Okay. Cincinnati against Kansas city. You picked Cincinnati. I went with Mahomes, and Cincinnati won that game. And, and then you also picked the, Los Angeles Rams to take care of the San Francisco 49ers. I picked the 49ers. You picked the Rams. And so you went two and oh. So uh oh, and and I must say this too. So with the Super Bowl still to be played, you already clinched our little tournament here of prognostication. So congratulations to Rob Duran. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you. For wiping the floor with his <laughs> generous host. <laughs> uh, man, oh man. So, all right, let's start with that that first game though, with uh Cincinnati and 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 Kansas City. A game in which it looked as if Kansas City was going to run the Bengals right out of Arrowhead Stadium. And then next thing you know, tight game and Cincinnati pulled it out. Give us your take on what you saw in that game. I saw two different games mixed into this one game, man. And I remember texting you early on, and I was like, dude, this feels like a blowout in the making. I expected Kansas City, like you said, Kansas City to just end it by halftime. I thought it was going to be the the Kansas City versus Pittsburgh prediction that you made earlier, Mm -hmm. uh, where halftime it was done. Um, the Bengals just, their defense wasn't stopping them. Mahomes was out there looking like Patrick freaking Mahomes, you know, best quarterback in the league. And by halftime, in the third and fourth quarter after that, it was a whole new ball game. Kansas City's defense was stepping up, making big plays. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, the Bengals' defense. It looked like Kansas City's defense was kind of lacking 
allowing Joe Burrow to make these moves. He was evading sacks nonstop back and forth. And they just came through at the clutch and the coin flip went Kansas City's way again. But it wasn't the same outcome as the Bills. And I guess that's football karma for you. Yeah, you know, when I was watching the game and we were texting back and forth during the game, and I remember you said, hey, man, this feels like a blowout. And I said, yeah, I said, but Kansas City just needs to get a score here, right? And yeah. they they did score that touchdown, um, you know, so they put 10 points on the board in the first half. And I thought the big uh, big play was when Kansas City, I didn't have a problem with them not going for the field goal at the end of the first half. Um the problem I had was throwing the ball to Tyreek Hill with no timeouts short of the goal mm. line. I mean, yeah. to me, if you're going to go for it, go for it, right? And if you're not going to go for it, then kick the field goal. You know, if you're not going to go for the touchdown, then kick the field goal because they would have made it 24 to 10 at halftime. And I think they had to come away with points, but they were dominating the game so much. It seemed to me that they felt pretty good about themselves that they could do whatever they wanted to. And why shouldn't they, they had three possessions, three touchdowns, and now they had first and goal. So why shouldn't they think that they can do anything they want with the Bengals? But the Bengals did make a good defensive adjustment in the second half where they rushed three guys and dropped an extra uh, defender into coverage. But that's not such a big deal. You know, it shouldn't have shut down Kansas City. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it, it shouldn't have shut them down the way it did. I was just surprised that it seemed as if Kansas City kept playing the same way they played in the first half, even though there was an extra defender most of the time in the secondary. I don't know why they didn't run more draw plays. I don't know why they didn't run, you know, period, more. I don't know why they didn't, you know, do some screens and things like that. You know what I mean? Just do some things to to make those defenders creep closer to the line of scrimmage and then go back to throwing the ball. I mean, it was just weird to me. And, you know, we we kept texting throughout, and I, I kept saying to you, Cincinnati's playing with more confidence than Kansas City now. You could start mm-hmm. to see it in, in their eyes, in Kansas City's players' eyes, in their body language. They were like, holy smokes. <laughs> yeah, We're in a game now where last person with the ball could win, right? Um, and I just think Kansas City got too complacent, maybe a little bit too cocky in that first half. And Cincinnati kept playing to their credit, and they deserved to win that game. Yeah, and it was kind of similar to the the game that they played at the end of the regular season as well, which is, I think it was a very similar score um, where the Bengals came back from like 11 down or something like that to end up winning the game. And that's how they clinched the division and all that stuff. So um, you would have thought that the chiefs would kind of keep that in the rear view mirror, keep that in mind. But like you said, it just looked like the chiefs kind of said, we got this, we're okay. And before you know it, it's a tie game going into overtime and, you know, McPherson did what he what he's been doing. Yeah. And you know, um and they deserve to to come away with, with the W and to punch their ticket to the Super Bowl. Um there there were there was a certain part of the game in the fourth quarter, late third going into the fourth quarter, where Mahomes was just making bad plays. 
And I texted you and I said, you know, he's just not playing well right now. And you said, yeah, that was hero ball, right? Because there was a point in time where he just seemed to, he was forcing the issue, which was so different than what he did in the first half. He was taking what the Bengals were giving him in the first half. He was very patient. He was dinking and dunking and you know what I mean? He was making good reads and everything else. And it's like in the second half, he just stopped and he got to the point where he started forcing things. And at some point he did try to play hero ball. He was holding on to the ball too much. There was times when he should have thrown the ball away and then he ends up getting sacked. They lose nine yards. They lose 15 yards. Even at the end of the regulation, they had like first and 10 or first and goal and they, you know, easy chippy field goal to make. And then he hold, he held on to the ball twice in back to back possessions, nearly fumbled away one of them. And by the time they have to try the game winning field goal, it's longer than an extra point. Like, what are you doing, man? You know what I mean? It was like, he just was not playing well. So even when they won the, the um, coin toss, I was not feeling confident that we were going to see a repeat of Buffalo. Um, it seemed to me that the mojo was gone, long gone. And if Cincinnati got the ball back, that game was over. Yeah, I had the same feeling. I said to myself, if Cincinnati gets the ball first, game over. But even if they don't, they're going to find a way. And they're going to stop yeah. Mahomes again, which is what they've been doing the whole second half and they're going to end up winning this game. Yeah. And, you know, that's what happened. And, you know, I, I, again, I I tip my, my cap to the Cincinnati Bengals um, because they could have very easily said, boys, we had a nice run. You know what I mean? When they were getting blown out in the first half and just said, you know, a couple of years ago, we only won two games. Now we're in the AFC championship game. And they could have just been happy to, to be there, right? And just yeah. felt, okay, we're getting blown out. But they didn't. They hung in there and they continued to fight, scratch and claw. And they came away with a victory. And now they're on the way to the Super Bowl. And and this was a this was a game, Rob, where it wasn't a Joe Burrow show. Now, Joe Burrow did play really well, and I thought there was a few times in the fourth quarter where he sustained drives, mm-hmm. and he got out of the clutches of guys, and yeah. and he ran for a couple of first downs and back-to-back sequences on third down. Th- that was huge. Um, but it wasn't like he won the game with his arm. I think it was a, a total team victory. He played He played well. But I thought Mixon started to get it going. And I thought Hendrickson on the front line made, you know, on the defensive line, he did a great job as as well as the defense overall. And that was a total team coming together. You saw it. They came together and said, we're going down fighting. And it turns out that they didn't go down. They fought and and they ended up with the victory. Yeah, and I think that's credit to Joe Burrow's maturity as a quarterback and as a leader on that team, just kind of acknowledging that, like, hey, I can't do this alone. We need a little bit of everybody to to beat this juggernaut of a squad. And they did it. Yeah, yeah. And now they're off to the Super Bowl where they will face the Los Angeles Rams 
Uh, the Rams defeated the 49ers. And what was the final score? Was it 2017 in that game? Yes. I think it was 2017. The first game was 27-24. Um, so both games decided by a field goal. And again, you look at the last six playoff games, just incredible, right? Overtime games, going down to the wire, you know, kicking field goals at the last minute, you know, last minute touchdowns, last second touchdowns, right? Um, it's just amazing that those last six playoff games in the NFL were as close as they were. And it was another one with um, with the Rams and 49ers. You called it um, right. You you picked the Rams. So let you go first on this one and, and, and break it down for us. Yeah, I'll tell you, this game, I thought early on, I thought the 49ers had the advantage, and they were obviously up, um, up until the last quarter. But when I saw Stafford throw that interception early on, I was like, oh, no. I must have forgot to text him this morning. But, <laughs> <laughs> but credit to him because he, he limited the mistakes after that. He didn't throw another interception. And also credit to, to Odell Beckham, who for a lot of this season and his tenure in Cleveland, for the most part, was highly criticized. But he had such a great game. Um, obviously, Cooper Cup is continues his historic season. Um, I think he has like, I think the stat was like 13 games of 100-plus receiving yards, which is insane. I don't know how this guy continues to be open when he's open. Um, but, yeah, man, credit credit to them. They they did what they had to do. They came back. And, listen, Jimmy G did what he does, which is manage the game, but he made some crucial mistakes late in the game that cost the team. And, unfortunately, it's kind of what you said, I think it was last week, where, you know, the better quarterback normally wins that game. And this is what we saw here. The quarterback made the difference, especially late in the game where the Rams came came on and scored 13, I believe, in the fourth quarter, and, and the 49ers couldn't close the deal. Yeah, because the 49ers were up 17-7. to seven. And given it was a low-scoring game and it was a tight game, it was a tough game, physical game, that 10-point lead seemed pretty solid. Not that the game was over, but it was pretty solid, right? Um, and, you know, again, the Rams buckled down. You know, they showed on the sideline where Aaron Donald pulled all the, the his defensive teammates together and he, he lit into them, you know, or he was encouraging them. But he was very animated, very passionate, yeah. and they went out there and they didn't let the 49ers do anything after that. Um, look, Jimmy Garoppolo, I really don't know what the issue is with him. He, he, he has the physical ability and skills. It's been so much talk about his limitations that it seems like he almost believes it. And he plays mm -hmm. that way, you know, yeah. because they won the game against green Bay, but it wasn't because he did anything right. I mean, they scored the touchdown on a blocked punt, right. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, he managed the game otherwise. He, it wasn't like he was throwing darts all over the field or anything like that. Um, and then he comes into this game and he really didn't do all that much either. Uh, but so there were some limitations there. But I, I, I will tell you this. I think that dropped in interception by Jaworski Tart. I don't know what his first name. I might be mispronouncing it, but his last name is Tart when Stafford threw the ball in the fourth quarter and it was right in his gut yeah. and he dropped the interception. 
that was huge because they that drive continued and they went down and I believe they scored on that possession to tie the game. And so, um, or maybe that was the game winning drive, but w- whatever it was, it it really was a game changer because it could have gave the 49ers possession. But um, look, uh, the Rams, I think because of the advantage at quarterback where you had someone that the coach could trust to make a play. I think that was the difference. Um, And I don't know where Jimmy G goes from here. I don't, but the Rams are on their way to the Super Bowl. That much we know for sure. Yeah. And it's funny. It's just interesting what you're saying about Jimmy Garoppolo, because I agree. I think maybe he has, he can do more than what he's being allowed to do or told to do with the 49ers. And we'll see that because it seems like he's going to get traded. Um, unless something changes this off season, but I'm interested to see what he can do maybe in a different scheme, a different offense with different personnel, if he can be a little bit more than just a game manager and be trusted with the ball. Cause yeah, they make these runs and they, you know, they made the Super Bowl the other year, all this stuff, but it wasn't because of him. You know, it was because of everything else going on, the defense or, you know, the special teams or something else, but it wasn't because he led them there. So I'm I'm very interested to see how the rest of his career goes or where he ends up in, in his next stop, how he progresses as a quarterback. So am I. So am I. And and I'm rooting for him. I mean, he seems yeah. like a good guy. And I think he's been dumped upon a little bit. And some of it's been of his making. He hasn't always made the best decisions out there. But, you know, that happens. Um you know, but there'll be time for him. He's going to go somewhere. He'll end up somewhere. And, you know, we'll see, you know, how the rest of his career unfolds. But, you know, for now, you know, congratulations to Matthew Stafford. You know what I mean? To to come in there and replace Jared Goff and, you know, lead this team to the Super Bowl in his first season. That's pretty impressive. And, they look pretty – look, we'll talk about – we'll make predictions next week, but, man, this could be – this could be a track meet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be a good one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it will be. So, again, um, you know, you, you, you put our prediction game on lockdown uh, with your two victories, and, you know, I – I've um, lost my um, prediction credentials pending an appeal and payment of appropriate fees. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to the NBA playoffs because dating back to the MLB playoffs, and I know we didn't have we we didn't record during the MLB postseason, but I picked every series right in the MLB except for the Rays and Red Sox series. So I have mm. a pretty good track record of predicting playoffs lately. So. We'll see when the oh. NBA rolls around. Oh, oh! So you selling wolf tickets already? We haven't even gotten saying. to the NBA All Star game, <laughs> and you selling wolf tickets already on on NBA postseason? I'm just saying, man. I ain't, <laughs> I ain't a scared of you. <laughs> all right, all right. I will file that away. By then, I'll have my credentials back. Yeah. Uh, I'll be off the pickleball courts and I'll be back <laughs> on the hardwood. So uh, I'm I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Um, real briefly, man, before we go, 
huge story in the NFL. Uh, Brian Flores, the former head coach of the Miami Dolphins, who was fired this at the end of the season after a second winning season in a row. And you and I at the time spoke about it as that being one of the head scratchers um, in the annual, you know, firing of NFL coaches. This didn't seem to fit, you know, that storyline because he was successful. Well, he has now filed a class action lawsuit um, and he alleges that um, the NFL, the Giants, the Broncos and and the Dolphins with discrimination uh, pending, you know, as it relates to his interview for head coaching jobs. Uh, there's some evidence that uh, um, he was interviewed by the Giants merely to comply with the Rooney rule. Um, and so he filed a lawsuit in that regard. And he also made an allegation against Stephen Ross, the owner of the Dolphins, saying that um, Ross essentially bribed him in 2019 to lose games so that they could get, they, the Dolphins, could get a higher pick in the draft, saying that he was going to pay him $100,000 per loss. So um, just a, a, a blockbuster of a story um, that has come out and still a lot to be told. But what are your early thoughts on the Flores lawsuit? I think it's going to open a huge can of worms, and in a good way, I believe. Um, when he was fired, like you said, it was one of those firings that were like, what was that? Like the dude, had, he he was doing well last season. You know, they started off one and seven, I believe, this year, and they went on this winning streak. End up with a winning season, and somehow he gets fired. And then we hear, you know, rumblings. Oh, it's differences between philosophies, which is the cliche thing to say. Um, and then this comes out, and we kind of get an idea of what that difference in philosophy might have been. Um, I think that what he's doing. Is obviously what we would maybe call career suicide. And maybe he won't get another NFL coaching job. He's still young, too. He's only 40, 41 years old. Um, so he definitely had a future with the NFL. Um, he's a great coach, obviously. But I think this highlights a lot of what we already knew with the NFL and the whole implementation of the Rooney Rule, which I thought was just, to be honest, a big band-aid that the NFL just put there to say, hey, you see, we are an inclusive and diverse uh, entity. Um, it's, it's no different than what, you know, someone saying, oh, yeah, I'm not racist. I have a black friend or I, or I know black people. It's kind mm -hmm. of, that's kind of what the Rooney Rule feels like to me. Um, and it became a checkbox sort of thing for organizations who feel like, okay, well, we have to interview some, a minority. We have to. So let's interview this person, call it a day, and then we'll hire the person we actually want. Um, so I think Brian Flores speaking up, doing what he's doing. And like you said, obviously, this is going to be much bigger. It'll be more in detail as time goes on. But I think that it's good to highlight this and bring it to the forefront because it's an issue that has been spoken about for years. And there is still no real progress made in terms of how many black head coaches there are in the NFL, which at this point right now is just Mike Tomlin with the Steelers. Right, right. So there's one of 
32. You know, here, here's the thing. Um, you know, the, the, the allegation of sham interviews is something we've heard a lot of from, you know, black head coaching candidates who went through the interviewing process that, they, they, you know, they've come out of those interviews and said, it didn't feel as if I was really being given, given a chance. And so it felt as if it was a box being checked. And, you know, that's been going on for years. That's been the sentiment for years for those who've gone through the process, they've experienced it and that's what they've reported. And for those from the outside looking in, that's what it seems like many times. Um, In this particular instance, though, you know, we actually have what appears to be, and again, until everything is sort of established, need to be careful here, but what appears to be text message exchanges between New England's uh, Patriots head coach, Bill Belichick and Brian Flores. And, you know, and it related to the, to the giants job where he congratulated mm-hmm. Flores for getting the job, but the giants hired Brian Dayball, both of whom, both Brian's were on new England staff at one point. So Belichick knows both of these men and Belichick mistakenly texted Flores congratulating him on getting the Giants job like three days before Flores even interviewed. And Flores in the, in the text exchange said, coach, are you meaning to text Brian Flores or Brian Dable? (laughs) (laughs) And Bill Belichick wrote back, man, I messed this up. Sorry. (laughs) Have a good weekend. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. And so you have that, you know, you have that exchange where if, if, if this is authentic and this, and this holds up, Bill Belichick knew before Flores went for his interview with the Giants for the head coaching position that the Giants had already made their decision to hire Brian Dayball. And so the question is, why did the Giants bring in Brian Flores for the interview? And and yeah. this provides some evidence of the sentiment that many people have had, including candidates who've gone through the process of, I'm not really being given a fair chance. This is just about facial compliance with a rule. Here, we seem to have some evidence that backs that sentiment up. Yeah, I definitely agree. And it kind of reminds me too, as just, you know, you're hearing the reports, you're watching the um, these news cycles and all this stuff. It kind of made me think about David Culley, who was the Houston Texans coach. Yeah. Lasted one year, got fired. And, you know, I don't want to assume or accuse, but almost unapologetically, I'll say, I don't think it's a coincidence that they hired a blackhead coach as a scapegoat for a season where they knew it was going to be a wash. They knew they weren't going to be any good. And they were in in the middle of this turmoil with the whole Deshaun Watson stuff and everybody else and J.J. Watt asked to be traded. I don't think it was a coincidence that they hired a black head coach to check that box and say, okay, we did our due diligence, so, so to speak. Now we can get rid of him because he wasn't the original guy we wanted. 
but the guy we wanted wouldn't have taken the job this year. So I, you know, like I said, I don't want to accuse or assume, but I, that's just my feeling, my opinion on that Texan situation and the way it was handled, the hiring and then firing of Cully in just one season. Yeah, and your your skepticism is shared by a lot of people. I mean, not just in that Cully situation, but just generally in terms yeah. of hiring. I mean, you even have highly respected NFL lifers like Tony Dungy, who in many respects is viewed as the conscience of the league, you know, saying he's having some real problems with what has come out in the last couple of days, but also too what he's seen over the years. And, you know, he's up close and personal. He's been Mm -hmm. through it himself. He knows others who've gone through it. And so it's, you know, there's not a lot of confidence right now um, in the NFL hiring practices and for good reason. And as we've been talking about the playoff games and how great they've been, the NFL was riding a wave, man. And right now, this story puts a kibosh on a lot of that. Um, The NFL is going to have to deal with it. Um, Hugh Jackson just this afternoon has come out and said on this other piece of essentially tanking for, you know, for pay, bribing a coach to, to tank, to deliberately lose games. Hugh Jackson, the former head coach of the Cleveland Browns, has come out now and said that that's the same thing happened to him, that he was offered money for tanking. And he says he has, you know, documents and other things to prove it. So we have not, I think, even scratched the surface here. And the last thing I'll say is I saw the lawyers on TV today who represent Brian Flores. I'm I'm a lawyer. I'm an attorney. And I know a lot of people don't like lawyers and don't like attorneys. And I get it. Um, when I was watching these guys speak, it bothered me. It, it, it felt like guys who were, who were seeking the limelight. I may be proven wrong as we go forward, but I, there was something about those attorneys that did not sit well with me. Um, and that's always, um, concerning when you have high profile cases because there are some attorneys and other professionals other people who just want to get their names in light in the lights they want their 15 minutes of fame and again that might not be what's going on here but it kind of came across to me a little bit like that and that aspect of this i um i don't like yeah and we hope that's not like like you said we hope that's not the case uh, just because this is such a serious allegation, this is serious stuff, and it could have the potential to really shake up the way uh, ownership is looking at, you know, the league or or the league is looking at ownership and front offices and, and down all the way to head coaching and coordinator stuff. So hopefully, you know, <clears throat> they are taking this as seriously as we are looking at it. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I hope the NFL does do that. Um, And I just want to clarify something because I don't want it to be left unsaid about the attorneys and why I made the comment. And I'll tell you, Rob, one of the things that bothered me that in the in the papers that that have been filed here, you know, the there's an allegation that that used the word plantation. 
You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. the NFL is essentially a plantation. And, you know, that's inflammatory and all the rest of it. But, you know, for these two white lawyers to come representing this black plaintiff, and now you're so, because he, they wrote the, the, the complaint, Brian Flores didn't. And so you're going to yeah. use that kind of like, it's like, you're almost trying too hard and you did it to the point where you're now trying to equate something that's not equal. Don't talk about how NFL coaches are being treated and try to equate it with slavery. That's, that's an insult to me. You know what I mean? And so when I saw that in their complaint and then I see them on TV and they seem a little bit like, you know, so ready to speak and, you know, <laughs> on camera and all the rest of it, the, the combination bothered me. You know what I mean? Like Brian Flores to me has been carrying himself with a quiet dignity and yeah. I don't need his white lawyers on the sideline talking about this is like being on a plantation. What the heck would you know about being on a plantation? And it has nothing to do with that. That I'm telling you about that just bothered me. You know what I mean? And so these guys, I'm looking at them at, with a sideward glance and I'm going to keep looking at them really closely because it's, there's just things that that have come out so far that just give me a bad vibe. So. Yeah. Amen. Anyhow. All right, brother. So listen, we're going to come back next week. You'll be able to pick, you know, um, you know, the Super Bowl. Um, my ability to pick is is still <laughs> under review. <laughs> I don't know who I'm going to pick, man. My two guys over there. That's right. Now you net net. This this is your hardest <laughs> selection <laughs> of wow. the whole playoffs. Because you're two boys, you've been on these guys from the very beginning. I give you credit for that. Yeah. Um, but now you're gonna have to make that selection. But you got a week. You got a week to sort through all your thoughts and do your analysis, and you know what I mean. Play with what whatever kind of gadgets you have to come up with your <laughs> with your great predictions. Um, but we'll come back next week, man, and we'll do that, and we'll of course. Keep our eye on the Brian Flores story because that is developing. And I'm sure uh, we have not even come close to hearing the last of that. So we'll come back and we'll deal with those two things and more. Uh, We'll come back next week and do it all again. Sounds like a plan. Sounds like a plan. All right, brother. Uh, So take care, man, and uh, talk to you soon. Take care, brother.